two people that shouldn't be fighting MMA beat each other up in a pretty unexhilarating feat of mediocrity over on the Bellator cage. But we also have a new interim, doesn't have the same ring to it, heavyweight kind of belt holder. UFC 180 is in the books, which means it's time for Verbal Tap, the show that proves fighting is way easier from outside the cage. I am your host, Kevin Phillips. With me, of course, Rafa Sparza, the man that knows the guide to watching fights in a bar. I do. I try to, I really try and help my friends whenever they're, they're looking for it. And you know what, Kev? Sometimes, try as you might, even a guy as experienced as bar watching fights as I am, uh, you run into Georgia Bulldogs fans when you're watching fights. <laughs> sorry. I'm, yeah. I'm going to say sorry, and I think the state of Georgia owes you an apology. They really do. And the thing is, I, it wasn't so much me. It was more so the lady as she made eye contact with them uh, doing all of their chants throughout the evening because, yes, they were clapping and applauding even though they were destroying Auburn yesterday, which great feat. Um, but as they were stomping and cheering – they're uh, boasting about what it's like to be a drunk Bulldog fan. So, yay. Yeah, thank God it wasn't a SATs test and it was just a football game. <laughs> we also have the results of Over Under Kevin for UFC 180 coming up very shortly, but waiting silently on the line. Alex Perez. Alex, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing great, guys. How's it going? How was your fight-watching experience? Uh, with the exceptions of a kink or two, everything was pretty awesome. A kink or two? Um, <laughs> where were you supposed to watch the fights? Where did you end up watching the fights? I was supposed to watch them at a Buffalo Wild Wings. Um, oh. We show up. A buddy of mine invited us. Sounded real uh, confident. Yeah, guys, we're, we're going to watch them. Awesome. We get there. He's not there. We walk in. Oh, we're not even showing the fights. Oh, great. Thanks, Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> so we scrambled for another place to find the the, uh, the, uh, the fights and we're able to get to uh, Hooters. Hooters actually came through. Doesn't always Perfect. Hooters come yeah, through, the, though. The old reliable. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. <laughs> Did you, like, pull the people aside at Buffalo Wild Wings and go, wait, you're not showing the fights? What do you do then? That's the whole point of Buffalo Wild Wings, is to show things that no one actually wants to be at home to watch. Thank you. I, I have no idea. I don't know what they were thinking. But you know what? Uh, there, there was a few other places. There's a few other, like, we tried a few other full halls and other places that usually have them. Mm. And to no luck. Mm. I guess they just have no love for Mexico. That's all I'm saying. Oh, there you go. Yeah. message received and you know what for every one of those commercials where Bewing you has like someone that can call the referee on the field to extend the game <laughs> this this should be the other side of that it's like a whole group of sports fans watch it all geared up ready to watch the fights like yeah let's go for doom team for doom and they walk in and it's like uh sorry we have nothing but college games and an NBA and it's like oh record scratches and they leave <laughs> that they should ha they should have to show that too, guys. I did not see the fights. I was busy being a attentive boyfriend. Let's not get carried away. I was phoning in attentiveness. I was throwing a birthday party for the lady friend. I'm still hungover, but I'm trying my best. I did watch a little bit of Bellator. I watched Stefan Bonner and Tito Ortiz. Um, comically work out their differences in the cage. 
uh, by comically, Kevin, what you may mean is I think it is fairly certain to say that Stefan Bonner has been hidered in a community theater reproduction of Thriller (laughs) because the amount of slow that he showed yesterday was impressive. And uh, having said that as well, let's also give it up to the wonderful class act that is Tito Ortiz. (laughs) His... His promo videos leading up to the fight were pure art. It was like, you have lost it. Like, just please retire. Those fights, not worth talking about in any sort of awesome-to-watch sense, super boring. Talk to me about UFC 180, specifically. I'm happy to walk you through it, Kevin. But before start we do, up top. I what? do have to pose the following question to you about Ortiz and Bonner. Mm-hmm. Okay. What if... And I don't know that people are really thinking about it in this way. But what if Ortiz Bonner was Bellator's version of Bonner Griffin? <laughs> well, then that explains why Bellator is not as famous as the UFC. Alex, what do you think? Does Tito Bonner have the same bite to it as Forrest <laughs> Griffin and Bonner? Not even close. I actually, this is one of the Bellator fights I did want to catch. And it was just boring as hell man and even yeah. and even afterwards you know ortiz wants a rematch yeah i mean fuck man you guys are no forest Griffin. that's for sure <laughs> Uh, if I would like to bring up one thing, it was this. It was that uh, while our bar showed all of UFC in its entirety, I thought Bellator 131 was a pay-per-view that nobody was going to buy. So I didn't even bother thinking about it. I just go, no, I'm here for the UFC. It wasn't until the very end of the very short UFC 180 that they decided to even put on the Tito Ortiz and Stefan Bonner fight because I think most people in the bar were just like, uh, is there other stuff? Yeah, put on the Bellator, I guess. Okay, and it was a terrible fight. And yes, Tito Ortiz, like a five-year-old, went around showing his middle finger and uh, really, really being an asshole and, and taking that that heel-esque persona. But uh, if we can't say one good thing about Bellator, it was that they gave a place for Joe Schilling, our friend, to get a destructive knockout. I would highly invite all of you guys to go check out the link. We'll put it on our website. But uh, other than that... But you know what, guys? Enough free publicity for Bellator 131. Let's actually talk about the fights that mattered. Um, And there were some stakes on here because, Alex, you played in last week's version of Over Under. Kevin, I have to ask you right now, how do you feel? Uh, You know, you made those predictions, and then you were watching the fights yesterday. Did that kind of alter the way you were watching the fights? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean... It made everything a lot more exciting, I'll say that for sure. But, uh, you know, if it was in any other instance, I would have actually been uh, rooting for uh, Mark Hunt. But because of the bed and because of what I thought, you know, the styles were going to match up like, you know, I was rooting for Fabrizio Verdum the only way. And I feel like I was the only one in the bar because as soon as he got that, uh, that win, I was the only one screaming out at the top of my lungs in that bar. Well, because you're a fan of crushing dreams, apparently, because everybody was into that Cinderella story. And I got to tell you, I was also going for Verdum. But when that first knockdown happened and Mark Hunt showed everybody and reminded them what power he holds in his hands, I started screaming to the top of my lungs, Verdum, you have to find a way to get him down. Don't stand up with him anymore. 
Same him. I like yeah, I like it yell with stay down, Verdum. Stay down. <laughs> it was terrifying. I haven't felt that much excitement for two fighters. And it's not to say that I was rooting for Verdum and I didn't like Mark Hunt. I think Mark Hunt's great. But it's just such a every time Mark Hunt like whiffed and missed, I'm pretty sure he gave solar power to all of the windmills in all of Mexico. I mean, it's one thing to stun your opponent, but to drop him with sheer power yeah. is ridiculous. Just literally it pushed him to the ground with a punch. It's fucking bananas. And even when they did get to the uh, like the ground in that first round and you saw uh, Radum close his guard, that still looked terrifying. Uh, was that your thought when they got to the ground? No, I was actually happy with it. I'm, I know Verdun's guard. You know, I, I'm a big fan of it, so I wasn't too worried. I, actually, that's where I thought it was going to end. I was like, it's any minute now it's going to end, especially when Mark started posturing up. I was like, oh, I think it's coming. I think it's coming. But I, I was very surprised when Mark Hunt, you know, made it out of there alive. I think it was interesting to me because it was close to the edge of the cage, which uh, makes it, – it has its pros and cons, obviously – but I thought it was kind of stunting for what he could do. Uh, granted, oh, yeah. it has proven a nice place for him, uh, you know, like, say, against uh, Fedor. But in this instance, I just thought if you had Mark Hunt raining down on any kind of ground and pound, even from the guard, it, that's a lot to take in. Even if you're trying to control, which he was doing mostly risk control and trying to uh, control him a little bit there. But um, So we get to the second round, and, and Kev, this fight, I want you to go see... Because it, it's super exciting. Oh, yeah. Was it close? I mean, you're about to get into the second round, but I'm just curious. Like, as you leave the first round, what are your impressions? As it left the first round, I still thought it was in anybody's hands. I was Perfect. like, this, this could still go anyway. This could, and this is, so going into the second round is where I knew uh, Mark Hunt was going to get tested. How it ended, though, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't see that coming, that's for sure. That's the least possible way anybody expected that to end. Go for but it. I, Hit me with this. Tell me how it ends. Okay, okay, Kev. Now, Spoiler alert. Go for let's, it. Let's set up the scene a little bit. Uh, so, you know, that first round, I think if you're uh, you're scoring it and you're objective, I think you give it to Mark Hunt. He's pushing the action. I think those, I those powerful knockdowns, just even just him, like, I don't even, like, he could have touched him with his pinky and... That's how much different power he had to knock him down. But well, when we get is, to the second I'll, round, go ahead, Alex. Well, just, just to cut in on that first round, too, Mark Hunt, I mean, he was showing some uh, some takedown defense, you know. For Richo Tribe, he threw a few takedowns at him, and Mark Hunt was not having it. And I'll say this, Kev, uh, to go off of what Alex is saying here, uh, there was a lot of, like, ankle picks that Verdun was going for. And Mark Hunt just wasn't having it, so it, it, it was it was tense because you're wondering in your brain. I don't know if you did this, Alex, but I put myself at this moment where I go, "Man, if I'm fucking Verdum, what the hell do I do in this situation?" Yeah, I didn't see much for him at all. I was like, "Oh man, just pull guard, Verdum, pull guard." <laughs> so we get to the second round. We know, as Alex mentions, it's going to be a test round for Mark Hunt, and it starts off just fine. Um, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and let Alex spoil how the fight ended for you, Kevin. Oh, man. So second round, about a minute, minute and a half in, I believe. And out of nowhere, Verdum just throws a flying knee. No way. Back. 
catches <laughs> Mark Hunt square in the head. Square oh! In the head. Mark Hunt goes down. Verdum's all over him, raining on him. He hits maybe 15 or 20 unanswered like blows to the head. And finally, the referee stops it. And, you know, Hunt, Hunt, I mean, he looked dazed. He wasn't completely out, but it was a good stop all in all. Holy shit. A flying knee? Yep. Flying right on the, the button, Kevin. Right on the chin. God you see damn. Mark Hunt's just, like, head like a rock'em sock'em robot just kind of go up for a second. <laughs> but, like, he's not out. He's still so tough that yeah. he's he's still with it and trying to block it off. Yeah, Mark's and, hard to knock out. Like, Hunt is always hard to knock out. He's absolutely. got that head. And you see Verdum knowing, like, these punches may not be everything I need them to be, but I'm going to rain down as many of them as I can to, to make them have to stop it, and that's what it was. I like to call it the most uh, well-timed knee of, uh, let's just say, Fabricio Verdum's anything in life. <laughs> we'll never have a better time with knee than that. I mean, it was so unexpected. Even the ref was like, oh, shit, time to go to work. Like, did that really happen? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I can't wait so, to see that. Kev, it's, you know, it's, it, I will say the reason why it was so exciting is because of the differentiation between them. It was a true testament to the old school version of, you know, when you have a big guy who's got a lot of knockout power and you've got a guy who's a great submission practitioner – who's got to be strategic with what he's doing. It just it adds a level of, all right, this is going to be a fucking great fight. And I, I was stoked to see it. And congratulations to Fabricio Verdum. That was a great fight. And uh, now I can't wait to see what happens between him and Kane. Alex, how do you see that fight going? You know what? I have to say that uh, as impressed I was, as I was with uh, Verdum, uh, I don't think he's got enough for 100% Kane Velasquez. But it is a toss-up because of this injury, though. I mean, last time he came back from an injury, Dos Santos was able to catch him with a big right hand, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. This is this is a toss-up. But I will say Kane at his prime, I still don't think Verdun could touch. Yes. So, I'm going to go with Kane. I, I would agree with that. I didn't see anything that Kane couldn't handle yesterday. But if I was Fabricio... I would be looking to find all of the rules to see if it's allowed that I can punch him in the knee or (laughs) knee him in the knee or elbow him in the knee. Every possible variation of basically if I can headbutt him in the knee, but apparently headbutts are not allowed. Uh, But we'll get to that in just a few seconds, you guys. Uh, Great fight, Kev. Can't recommend it enough. Speaking of another great fight, Kev, uh, you know you've got a fan in Ultimate Fighter fans – like us and Kevin Gastelum or Kelvin was very, very effective yesterday. And you know, he's like, I was really curious about how he does. Cause he's been quietly phenomenal, like to win via submission. And I'm really curious to he- hear the details. He's been really great lately. So this is going to be interesting. What did he do against Jake Ellenberger? It happens in the first round. It's a submission. I don't know any more details than that. Alex, I mean, I'll let you go ahead and describe what. what how uh, did you see it? I, I have maybe I mean, a very slight lot, interpretation on it, but go for it. No, Kevin was pretty much all over Jake. I mean, I didn't see Jake really coming with much. And then, you know, towards the towards like halfway through the round, Jake, you know, got behind Kevin, tried to go for a suplex, got him down. But as soon as like his back hit hit the uh, the mat, Kevin bounced back, 
took Jake's pack and finished it out. I mean, I was definitely impressed by Kevin, big time. Kev, I don't know how to explain this other than, you know, when you're watching Kelvin, there's a very strong level of wrestling from a young guy who's who's explosive. That's really, uh, I think, maybe the best attribute of his submission game is that he's fast and he's aggressive when he's doing it. And for me, when I saw the difference between those two in wrestling abilities, I mean, Jake Ellenberger got a switch on Kelvin, and Kelvin just was like, fuck that noise, and re-switches around on him. <laughs> and I just thought, I was like, fuck, man, that's tough. And Kelvin just knew that the neck was propped up just enough to sneak in for a rear naked choke, which as we are quite familiar with on his, his work. His favorite. Yep. No way. It, was, it wasn't really a RNC? Yep, it was a rear naked yeah. choke. Basically, ten seconds to go in that round. That's that's tough because you know Jake Ellenberger staring at the clock, doesn't want to tap. That must have been real. That must have been. Uh, I, what is it with Kelvin in that? They should change his um, his nickname somewhere in there to like Kelvin RNC Gastelum. I, I don't know that it flows off the tongue. That's a shitty nickname. I'll get back to you yeah, guys. I'll get back to you guys. Good don't for worry. Kelvin. We'll, we'll work on some uh, some great t-shirts for that. But Kelvin was one of the people who contributed to being a short night. Kev, we were done here. and uh, Here in L.A. time, we start the fights at 7 p.m. The entire card was over at 8.30. You guys are welcome because that never happens when I'm watching never. the fights. Never. If I'm watching the fights, they go six and a half hours. Yeah, which is impressive. I was surprised at how quick they ended too. Jesus Christ. But the main reason is because, and this is the pro con of getting what you want. Everything ended with the exception of the main event on the main card in the first round. So not only did Kelvin have a great uh, match, but we also had a great match between Ricardo Lamas with what some people would call an upset, but not Alex. No. Oh no! <laughs> God damn okay, nice. yeah, all right, all right. I admit, it, I admit it. it was it wasn't that upset during the fight, anyway. Because goddamn, Ricardo was definitely uh, taking some shots, but he pulled it out, man. What what via what submission did he want, win via? He won via guillotine, I believe. Is what he. Uh, yep. Wow! Very old school <laughs> night on the uh, chokes and submission game. No Baron Bola to heel hook. This is no, good. No. Just a real naked <laughs> choke and guillotine it's like, all right. although there there was a little bit of uh kind of a heel hook game that took uh place during the uh preliminary card but i gotta tell you kev it was interesting to watch ricardo set up to the guillotine it was it was pretty textbook because when he saw it and he was able to make the transition into it, it it's that kind of thing that you've drilled it so many times that it just it magically appears during your fight and you go thank you <laughs> um, um, I also see Montano. Was he a late ad? Augusto Montano? No, and here's what we're going to talk about because I, I think it is time to get around to some results for between the two of you. Yeah. Uh, because uh, the whole card, I think, ended up having – what is this? Is this 11 fights? Something like yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they just decided to add those after we – basically finished doing our preview show we previewed nine and then i think they remembered they're like oh no we only have nine fights that's not enough did somebody count damn it we gotta <laughs> add two more is like who the fuck didn't count 
Who's the fucking wise guy that forgot to fucking count to 11? I can fucking count to 11 in fucking Spanish. What the fuck? You're hilarious. I hope your next job works out. You're fucking fired. (laughs) So we went best out of nine. And uh, before we do, I want to go and ask you guys if you remember the stakes or the bet that you put up. Uh, Alex, do you remember what the bet was if you lost? If I lost, I believe I had to get uh, bow and arrowed. Mm-hmm. While I can't remember what I had to do while I was being bow and arrowed. Uh, well, you had to get bow and arrowed by a person of your choosing and say, "I got bent by Kevin Phillips." <laughs> Which Kevin is laughing as if he's never heard that, but that was his stipulation he came up with. So it seems he's still entertained by his own words. Kev. What was uh, your loss contingency? I'm trying to look through my notes and I can't find it. So I It's okay know. because I do remember. I have it written down as a yeah. good host should. Yeah, I was going to uh, say. It you. says that you are supposed to have a conversation between Oprah and Tony Montana on oh, how that's... great I am for 45 <laughs> seconds. That's right. Okay. Yeah, that would have to happen on air. Okay, before yeah. we get there, um, let me ask this to Alex. Any nervousness on the results? Do you feel like you lost at all? Uh, you know what? I am on the fence about it. I'm not ex- – I can't exactly recall. So, yeah, I'm a little nervous. Okay. Okay, Kev. Are you going to take that nervousness? Does that mean a good sign for you? No, it doesn't, and here's why. Alex Perez won. On the, I'm not – not this Alex Perez. Alejandro Perez. Alejandro beat- Perez. Jose Hinones, and uh, I was just as soon as that came across the ticker, I was like, "God damn it!" (laughs) If I if I lost the game, but I won that one, I'd feel good. So (laughs) you're you're not saying that you feel bad about getting more or less picks. You're just defeated mentally by that one fight. Correct. It doesn't take much. One of the participants who happened to have the exact same name who ended up winning and choosing that fight based on his name. Correct. Okay. All right. It's time for results. <laughs> no, you, you don't want to just recap my thought process for the audience for another 47 minutes because I think they might find it. They're like, oh, that's actually really helpful. That's fine, Kevin. Go and ahead. Results. You can go ahead and comment all you want as somebody who didn't watch any of the fights and are really contributing to this conversation about <laughs> UFC 180. That's fine. I understand. No, no, no. It's cool. Nailing it's your it. girlfriend's birthday. Totally, totally. You didn't have a whole Sunday to watch. That's fine. Yeah. You're too busy to be hungover. It's fine. It's fine. Fine. fine, fine. <laughs> who could have predicted her birthday would be that night? Yeah, I could. Yeah, it's only an hour and a half anyway that you could have caught up on. But no, no you watched Bellator. You made choices. <laughs> Uh, if I, mean, I were to tell you this, those, though. Hey, baby, happy birthday. Guess what we're doing? Watching the fights. All right. Yeah. I should have taken her to Hooters where we could have enjoyed <laughs> the viewing experience. I will say, Alex, uh, to, to be a little bit on Kevin's side, considering we have a podcast and we're, we're pot committed in doing this bitch, basically every time we get together with our significant others, it's pretty much that's the surprise that happens. Hey, babe, you want to go out to dinner? <laughs> What? Oh, this fight's ha- what? Who's in the I mood forgot. for bar food? I'm in the mood for some bar food. Like some cheap drinks that sound good? Like some cheese fries? That's what I always say. And as soon as I say cheese fries, she's like, you want to watch the fights. <laughs> so, well, we, all right, but to, to be fair, to be fair, I was on my third date with a very pretty girl. And for my third date, hey, guess where I'm taking you? Hooters to watch some guys beat each other up. 
Wow. Sounds romantic, right? Yeah. It's romantic. This but is it's also, also how you know Alex is a good-looking yeah. guy because that's the only way. Like, a girl's like, third date, whatever. I'll go. I was about to say, I was like, third date is adorable, though. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, sure, whatever. It's like, I, yeah. don't, I don't think that has anything to do with your skill. I think it's just... <laughs> We'll uh, well, guys, I'm going to go ahead and reveal the results. Um, Alex, how is your bow and arrow defense? Oh, pretty good, actually. It's pretty good. That's that's a good sign. Um, but unfortunately, you're not going to need to use it. Kev, how God is your Oprah and Tony Montana impression? They're on? terrible. They're <laughs> awful. I did watch a little bit. I watched a little bit of Scarface to try and uh, hone it back in, but I'll be sure to script out this bitch for the next uh, podcast. Oh, yes. The sweet taste of victory, baby. Mm. Uh, Would you guys like to know the exact numbers? Yeah. No. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Well, Kev, I was going to do it anyway. It didn't matter. (laughs) Uh, The results were the winner was Alex, who had six correct picks out of nine, which is a 66% correct number. Whereas uh, Kevin had four for nine. I'll let you know, Kev, right out the gate, Alex was on his game. Alex's early picks are what ended up winning him this entire thing. Alex had the foresight of knowing his own namesake would win. Lamas would win. Jessica, I would win, which you also agreed with him on. Uh, He also had Hector. I don't know that he decided that Hector would get a guillotine himself, but Hector was pretty solid with that guillotine as well as well as Marco, and ultimately, Kev, he also picked Verdum to win. I knew it wasn't pretty. It was not. Between Hector, Urbina, and Verdum, it's just like, God damn it. (sighs) Uh, I'm going to go ahead and take a second to talk with our winner here. Alex, uh, walk me through your picks. Uh, Tell me, what is it that you feel that gave you the foresight? Um, really, it, it came from birth, just my name. Just, as soon as you know, I was born, I had this name, and I feel like this is what it led up to, was winning uh, this game and having uh, Kevin Duke. <laughs> you know, I, a lot of people have to say that you really didn't do too much because Kevin loses a lot. What do you have to say in response to that? Um, I'll say, you know, it took a little bit of my skill, but, you know, history, history will show Kevin does defeat himself quite often. <laughs> Uh, all right, thank you so much, Alex. And let's go over to Kevin. Kevin, how do you feel about your loss? You're now in a losing streak again. Do you feel you can come back in this game? I feel completely fucked trying to do Tony Montagna. I don't think I... I'm in a pretty dark place, Rap. I was drinking margaritas, where it's like frozen margarita with a beer, a little beer upside down in it. And the only thing that's hurting my hangover more is the disappointment of these fights. I was on a tear. I was defying the odds, and I had done my research. And to get fucked like this on a national stage feels personal by the UFC. Well, um, Kev, you know, we, we do have a couple more fights to go through real quick. So let's let's give you a chance to really hear some, some good stuff to go over. We mentioned uh, Hector got a great guillotine. Uh, there was some cool fucking finish. So when we left off, we were talking about Augusto uh, Montano. And uh, Augusto Montano had some a really good stoppage from knees. Do you remember that at all, Alex? I do. He uh, he had he was lighting him up, up against the cage. And 
I don't know what exactly hurt him, though. Yeah. But he was just covering up up against the fence, and Montano just started uncorking just a few left rights and those knees to the body, and that's it. The ref had to come in and stop it. I will say, and I don't know if you got this impression, and we've never been in this particular uh, moment in our lives, at least I haven't, but Chris Heatherly looked like he wanted the ref to stop that pretty bad. Yeah, I'll agree. He definitely he wanted he wanted a way out. Cause he was pushed up against the cage and those those knees looked very, very difficult to take. But I think the defense stopped pretty quick into it and he was like, dude, let's let's call it a day. Let me go to my after party because I don't want to be here. Uh, on the other side, we also, Kev, I don't know if, if you know this about Mexico, but I'm going to give you a secret. Um, should you ever be on a card fighting in the UFC or Mexico? <laughs> Perfect. Hold on. I'm writing this down because okay. high probability on both. 100%. Uh, do me a favor. Yeah. Uh, if you do not start by saying the following, Viva Mexico, you will die. You will 100% die because every person at least started their conversation like that or put it in midway through their acceptance speeches yesterday. Okay. I have Uh, noted it. The reason I bring this up is because Hector Urbina uh, was very excited to win and and justifiably so. It was a great guillotine. But this was kind of the conversation. Did you see the the post-presser with uh, him, uh, Alex? I did not, no. Okay, so this is basically when they had uh, Joe Rogan go up. And Joe Rogan also had the person who had the worst perm of all of the interpreters I have seen. <laughs> but this lady was trying her best to try and give the best uh, interpretations, if you could. But this, this, my friends, made me laugh more than anything in the entire world. So, Joe Rogan goes over to talk to Hector. Hector, this is exactly what happens. Joe, talk us through that submission. Hector, viva la raza! Joe. (laughs) Okay, so, and they start showing footage. So, you lock up that guillotine and you let it go. Viva Mexico! (laughs) So, that was the conversation. So, that that is the best takeaway I, I think I could tell you ever if you are speaking to a Mexican audience. Is that true, Alex? I do believe so. Yeah. Okay. I'm good. Stoked to know this. I'm really yes. Excited. It's very important. And before we finish, there are a couple little things that we should probably hit on. Um, the Ultimate Fighters uh, they were decided yesterday, and that was Yar Rodriguez and Alejandro Perez. Uh, do you have any notes on those, Alex? Uh, you know what? The only thing I will say is uh, big up to Big John McCarthy for uh, making an example. You know, you can't you can't allow those headbutts to happen. And uh, I don't know if it had if it went live, but uh, a buddy of mine actually uh, I won't say who or how he got this, but he actually got some audio of uh, of Big John telling the uh, the table guy, you know what? I don't care what he fucking says. He fucking did that on purpose. Take two points away from him. Ooh. Big up to Big John McCarthy for manning up and making an example out of that. And that's a tough call to make. Yeah, and I don't know too many referees who could really get away with that, who have the gravitas to just be like, take two fucking points off of this. 
hey, you know what? If he doesn't, if he doesn't make an example out of them, we're going to start seeing headbutts left and right, you know? Absolutely. If they feel like they can get away with it, they're definitely going to try to hit on it. I think that was the right move to do. Wasn't it also hilarious that I, I think it's just a lesson in basic math for when they were doing the fight announcement for the decision and the other guy's like raising his hand as if there was a way he could have won with the minus two points. I'm like, you get minus two points unless you've won every round, <laughs> then you're not going to win. You might tie. So I don't know that I'm going to raise my hands like, yay, tie. Um, but I digress. Math. I'd math be excited. But I'm also not a professional fighter. Yeah, of course. Well, you also aren't great at math either. But <laughs> I won. It's tied. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, we do have to end our conversation on UFC 180 on this. <clears throat> and I'll preface it with this following story. I caught wind of it. I didn't see the fight, but they replayed it later at night. And the fight between Jessica I and Leslie Smith. I saw enough on my Instagram to say, oh, it sounds like a gross thing happened. And my fiance happened to be on her phone. And I look at her and she goes, what fight is this? I'm like, babe, whatever you do, don't look up. Do not look at this fight. She goes, something gross happened, huh? And I go, yes, it's going to scar you. Do not look up. And sure enough, during the replay of the fights, she looked up and was horrified at cauliflower ear getting busted open and bleeding and opening up in front of her face. And that's exactly what happened between Jessica I and Leslie Smith. Alex, your recollection slash nightmares from that? Oh, it looked like something out of world star hip hop, you know, or (laughs) a random fucking gash on somebody's face. Oh man, it was awful. Oh, it hurt me me a little bit. Sorry. What was that? No, I'm just – I made the mistake of Googling it. I'm all caught up. <laughs> Sorry, go on. <laughs> I, like, Kev, oh, I'm saying the same thing to you that I told to Kelly. Why would you do that to yourself? <laughs> oh, it looks like she just got done fighting with the guy from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes. It, it was fucking awful. And it hurt me especially because I had cauliflower on both my ears and <laughs> – I was like, wait, that could have happened? That that, that that was a possibility? That my ear could have exploded like that? Holy fucking shit. Well, Alex, I can tell you this much. Uh, in my time training with you, I, I don't feel that I will ever make a decision to try and bust your cauliflower de- uh, up like that. Deal? Deal. Sounds good, Rat. Right. If you ever get some cauliflower ear on you. I'll definitely won't go for yours and maybe even get you some headgear. <laughs> oh, okay. Thank you. That's so nice. No, I've got I've got the little baby bumps now, so like I don't even get to go up to you and say I have cauliflower ear. Like it's not even a thing. But like double tap exclusive. Yep. Raph and Alex oh. will be gentlemen while rolling. Look out. Yep. Hot radio. Well, uh well, don't worry, Kevin. That'll they'll end profusely when you make it back out here and you get to roll with Kevin uh with Alex, I'm saying, is uh he's not gonna be so nice to you, I promise you that. Well, I would I'll also just like to get – I'll get in on this. I won't bust up your cauliflower ear either, Alex. All right. Uh, just, just because I know Raph wants to hear this, I will show no mercy. Uh, Captain <laughs> will show up Kevin. <laughs> I do. You know exactly that's something I'm like, yep, I would like to hear that. Uh, Alex, I want to thank you so much for uh, not only playing over under Kevin but reviewing the fights with us. 
And, uh, dude, I'm glad you were able to make it out to a good bar and uh, spend some time with uh, some of our good training partners and uh, enjoy the fights. Good, sir. Yeah, it was awesome all around, and this made it even better. So thanks a lot, guys. And uh, I can't wait to see my uh, my skit. <laughs> well, that makes one of us. So, thank you very much. And uh, on behalf of both myself and Kevin, we also want to say thank you for all the hard work you've been doing. You've been covering some great events as a correspondent with us, uh, be it the World Jiu-Jitsu Expo, at a Bravo Invitational. Uh, you're one of the easiest people to work with, and uh, a lot of people don't know that you're behind the scenes helping out on all of those videos that we're putting up, and we just want to say thank you, buddy. Hey, it's an experience of my life. Like, trust me, I'm more than happy to be there. Verbal Tap fans, uh, you haven't already heard me nerding out. This is a big one. This is a formative figure in my jiu-jitsu development. Uh, One of the first tough stars that I became a big fan of and have followed your fight career for a while, which spans over 34 matches, which is a crazy amount. We have on the line Mac Dancing. Mac, how are you doing this evening? I'm good. I'm good. A little, a little tired. I've been I've been uh, pushing it pretty hard all day today working, but uh, now I'm off and yeah, looking forward to chilling out and having a talk with you guys. Ooh, calm that down. You may not be excited after talking with us for about five minutes. You're setting the standard a little too high than we care to to normally have on here. No, Mac. Uh, we were we were telling you this off air, and this is 100 percent true. Uh, we actually were fans of you, and Kevin and I independently, we never had talked about this, um, but we both watched your season of The Ultimate Fighter. Huge fans. Uh, Kevin, why don't you go first on your side? Absolutely. At the time, it was the first show I was watching, and you came in as sort of like the experienced guy um, that that was adding like some discipline in. And yeah. the show seemed to cut you as like a negative sort of person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or even like a call out, like a little show buddy, and you're not that person at all. But I was living in a fraternity, and they were driving me insane with their bullshit. Yeah. And I was yeah. right there with you. I was like, no, he's trying to be a professional athlete. These other Jamokes are yeah. at like auditioning for the real world season yeah. 28, tough yeah. rejects. <laughs> uh, what say you to that? And this is no. what Raph and I were talking about. Like, how did you feel about how they posted you? And are Raph and I the majority or the minority of your no, experience? You, you, I, well, here's the thing. Yeah, like you, you, you hit the nail on the head. You're definitely right. That's that's how they portrayed me. And I mean, I'd be lying if I said that they did. I didn't give them at least some actual footage you know, reflective of that for them to use and, and turn it into to an extreme version of that. I mean, yeah, I was, you know, I was, you know, upset with the fact that I was surrounded by morons. But, uh, <laughs> you know, like like it was it was just a very stressful time for me. And that's how I reacted to this, the stress, whereas some of the guys, their ways of reacting to stress is either to just completely close up and, and, and shut down and and you know just like be quiet and not do anything or you know the another way that some of these guys handled it was to get drunk and and act like <laughs> fools you know what i mean but um it's it's worth yeah. noting you won 
And yeah. in that final fight, your opponent is trying to run away from you at one point. So let's just all remember <laughs> the details surrounding how uh, crystal clear your domination in the house was. Yeah, I mean, like, the the thing was, once I got on there, I realized, okay, half of these guys are serious about winning. Maybe a quarter of them are serious about winning. And then the, then the, uh, the other guys are just, you know, they're just there, like you said, just to, I don't know, be on TV or, or whatever the reason was. There. So, oh, if I can get on the show, that would be cool. And they get on the show and they're... Like, oh, I'm on the show now. Great. And it really wasn't about winning to them. But uh, one of my close friends who was um, a guy that I was a training partner with and, you know, kind of a mentor of mine in a way, you know, I looked up to him a lot for years. And before I left on the show, he was like, you know, his last words of advice. It was actually the last time I, I talked to him. Uh, he was like, man, like go in there and um, really, uh, you know, don't forget what you're there for you're there to win the thing you're not there to uh you know like do, like act like an idiot and you know, you know what i mean you're not there to just get your 15 minutes of fame on a, on a tv show and, and be a fool you're there to to win it and so i i kept that in mind the whole time and you know it's funny like a lot of us were really worried about how we were going to be portrayed on the show and we would all sit around especially like our team, like like me and some of the other guys that were on the same team as me, we shared rooms, and so uh, we would um, we would all sit around and just talk about how worried we were at, at how they were going to portray us, and and um, you know the one guy Dorian, he's like, man, they're gonna they're gonna play me like I'm this psycho and everything, and, and then uh, and and. You know, half of the guys there were sitting around going, oh, you kind of are psycho, you know. <laughs> um, and then uh, for me, it was like, like I was convinced that they were going to have me be like the like the anti-Christian guy. Because I remember when Matt Hughes brought Bibles in for everybody, um, like uh, I was... I was just, I decided, okay, he's got Bibles, whatever. I'm not going to participate in this. So I went to go lay down or something because we had the uh, the practice off, which was a nice change of pace. And I laid down about 10 minutes and I, I sat up at one point and just looked up at what was going on and looked and they were, the camera people were panning from Matt Hughes reading the Bible to all the <laughs> other guys reading the Bible and then over to me, who wasn't, and then back to them. And I was like, oh, no, like, they're going to do this. <laughs> oh, fuck. But, yeah, I mean, the 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 producers actually pulled us aside in the middle of the uh, taping of the show about three weeks into it, and they were like, listen, stop sitting around and talking about how you think you're going to be portrayed or edited. <laughs> like, they're, like, they're like, we don't know. No one knows until it gets sent to editing. That, like don't talk about that just be yourself you're on here because we picked you and you know like we picked you because of your personality so just talk about what's going on the show damn it yeah, <laughs> yeah. i love that your That's hunger really games ask producers were like cheese it they're talking too much about the meta part of it shut up you stupid fighters you just Act. Don't think about it. Okay. Yeah, bye. I know they, they were. They were also mad because we would sit around and talk about 
movies and music and stuff things that were out that were that had nothing to do with the house you know like we we were we were living how dare this, you yeah that we were living this constant train every day twice a day four hours drive to the gym drive back train hard like get ready to possibly fight within a few days we were living that, so we didn't want to have anything to do with that. You know, we wanted to, to separate ourselves from that, and we had no reading material, no contact to or from the outside world, no books, no magazines, no music, of course, you know, no TV, nothing like that. And so we would sit around and talk about, you know, like we would recite Pulp Fiction or something, you know what I mean? And, and they, they hated that. They just hated that, you know? <laughs> Uh, Mac, I'm going to stop you right here. Kev, great idea to pitch to the Tough Producers. Uh, Sideshow of Tough Participants reenacting your favorite movies. I think you do them as a set of commercials (laughs) that you can promote the show because sometimes the ratings, they need it. Um, But I think it's a great way to integrate the personalities of the fighters. Anyway, discussing. And now here, Mac Danzig doing Back to the Future 2. I'd watch two hours of that. I was going to say, I'm like, I would watch a sizable portion of that on YouTube before I got caught in a wormhole. I did two hours easily. (laughs) Especially you've got like, you know, War Machine on that one. Um, Uh, I'm remembering some names, but there were some funny people in that. uh, Yeah, like everybody had their own little moment in in that series. I don't think anyone, everybody at least had part of an episode dedicated to them there the one guy dan barrera i mean we were convinced that the whole show was going to be about him uh because he was just such a nut and and um he would you know go into the bathroom like and he'd be in there forever and he would come out and he'd be all amped up and we were convinced we were like absolutely certain and we still don't know to this day if he did he swore he wasn't, but we were convinced that he had somehow smuggled coke onto the show and was like doing it in the bathroom before he would like come out. But then on his one episode that they did feature him in, because they didn't put much of him on there across the whole season, just the one episode that he fought in. The one episode that they showed stuff of him, they showed this hidden camera from inside the one part of the bathroom, and he was like looking in the mirror, shadow boxing like bouncing around, talking to himself in the mirror. And he wasn't doing coke. And if he was, they didn't show it. And I'm just thinking to myself, okay, well, you know, like that's, that's, uh, that, that makes sense, you know, I'll, I'll accept that. He was, he was a definite nut, Dan Barrera. I don't know what happened. (laughs) You thought he was doing coke and he was just in there having a shadow box moment with himself frequently. (laughs) And that was what really hyped him up. That's what sent him into fifth gear. He's, I just like the somebody guy, the reviewing the show. Yeah. I just like somebody reviewing the show, going like, "Man, it really took a turn this episode." <laughs> what is it like? Coke. Or he was doing coke, and the producer mm-hmm. cut of that. That's just like, well, we obviously can't show the thirty-two minutes of blow he was doing. Right, so right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I I have no idea really what was going on. Um, but but he was he was the craziest oddest person out of out of everyone there and um and yeah we were we were pretty sure that he was going to be the focal point of the entire show but uh it ended up not not really being that way in the end i mean yeah they did portray me as 
oh, you're this like grumpy guy and all this stuff. But I think that is just like putting a magnifying glass on one aspect of how I reacted to being in a situation like that, which was, you know, being surrounded by 90% of those 16 people were idiots, you know, so. Um, vegan. <laughs> yeah. It's oh, like a, yeah. veganism was still that. new then, and yeah. there was a lot about but, it. Like there was a but lot But I of... did love the fact that it's like, oh my God, guys, he came down with a case of vegan. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're <laughs> crazy, a vegan right the, now. The vegan crazies. Sure. Yeah, I know they, they, they somehow managed to pull out of me saying the words I'm vegan and then at some other point I said I don't eat that stuff or I don't eat that crap like they they put they'll chop up any parts of your speech it's almost like I don't know how much of the early Simpsons you watched but there was this one Simpsons episode where they where Homer was like you know, being interviewed by this guy and they were making fun of those shows like hard copy and um, <laughs> a, current, a current affair and all that. Yeah. And, and and they were interviewing him and they were like framing him basically about he supposedly touches girls, butt, and they, they were <laughs> chopping up everything that he said. They were taking half pieces of sentences and like splicing them together. And there was a clock behind him and the clock kept changing different times <laughs> during mid sentence, you know? And th like, that's almost what they do, you know, because they can, they can edit it so well with a little bit of voiceover here, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And they don't, they can take something that you said a half of a sentence that you said on week one and blend it in with a sentence that you said in week five. And the next thing you know, you're saying, you know, like, something bigoted or something you know like who knows you know i, I think and, uh, the funny part is is as you're describing that i'm pretty sure i remember that exact episode of homer being like i want some of that sweet sweet venus yeah yeah and then i grabbed her sweet can yeah yeah like they, <laughs> they just kept they kept changing and then he was like no mr simpson no like like they like he was like scared or something like that and then they showed um sorry about that they showed um like uh like a like a, a paused frame of him like it was a, you know what i mean it even had that fallout like when you would pause a vhs yeah. tape you know yeah <laughs> crazy that's hilarious i you know we've never ever compared the ultimate fighter to the simpsons but i'm glad <laughs> you did it because now yeah. i just realized the gold mine that we've totally not been using this entire time we've been doing ultimate fighter reviews on this show Okay, it, like here's an example, right? They didn't even show this on the show, I don't think. If they did, I, I don't remember it. But what, at one point, Jens Pulver came in, and Jens knows Matt Hughes and Robbie Lawler. They have the same management, and they train together, and they know each other well. And Jens was in town and decided to stop by. And so he came in, and, um, you know, he's like, like, says hi to everybody and i know jen's i've known him for a long time and i'm like hey what's up and you know everything's cool and then at one point you know we're waiting to warm up and he starts talking to the guys and they all start crowding around him and you know everybody's you know like listening to him tell a story or something like that and i'm just sitting down by myself didn't think anything of it I'm getting ready to train, I'm changing, I'm stretching a little bit, I know training's coming up, and everybody's like standing around in this circle talking to him, I never thought anything of it, we practiced, forgot about it, then the next thing I know when we get back to the house, they're pulling me into an interview, and I'm like, okay, whatever, they do this to me every day, and the guy, the guy asks me, he's like, so, 
saw um, when all the other guys were talking to Jens, you weren't over there talking to him. Uh, do you have a problem with him? Like, you know, like they were trying <laughs> to get me to like, they were immediately trying to get like create like manufacture some sort of uh, conflict between me and Jens Pulver. And I was like, no, you know what I mean? I didn't, I didn't let oh, that man. pull me into that. <laughs> like, oh, that sounds so terrible. And I don't know why I'm not producing this show. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know if you get this about me, Mac, but this is all I do on a daily <laughs> basis. This is what I'm doing to Kevin when he doesn't even know it. I'm like, Kev, did you know what that last guest said about you? No. Why? What? Oh, it, it wasn't good. They they didn't really like your questions. It was. Mm. <laughs> they also said your beer and bolo is pretty weak, but uh, I don't I don't know anything about that. And I should mention, Mac, we're also going to cut up this interview, so it's just me and Raph ans- asking you absurd questions and taking your answers out of abstract. Totally. We can actually... I, I expect it. I expect to answer <laughs> with. with uh... <laughs> What the, what the fuck is wrong with you? I'm vegan. Fuck you. <laughs> I think we actually have the wording and ability to splice in him doing the Simpsons. I want some of that sweet, sweet Venus. Yeah, so I'm stoked about that. Throw a little track behind it. People are going to never know. And I, this is my fault for taking us completely down the Ultimate Fighter 6. It was just... Uh, <laughs> big fan moment for me to uh hash that out and it's obviously been on all of our chests i feel better giving you the chance to speak your side of it i do feel better thank you <laughs> uh, you've been up to a ton of stuff since and this is what i think transcends like amongst the jujitsu and mma community you're seen as one of those guys that's done uh a lot in the artistic side and i think both raf and i agree as like uh, aspiring comedians to be um we like the draws and ties between the art and the martial arts training. Talk to us a little bit about what it was like to put out. And I guess it was a documentary, right? About your art show and the different things you were doing. Um, there, there was no, I've never had a completed documentary on just me and, and like the stuff I've, uh, I'm doing. I mean, I've had, there's been little, um, you know, like a five minute segment devoted to me and my art for, um, like like a show called MMA Thirty, and then there was like a, another like five or six minute thing I did that was just about me and my photography for MMA Weekly. But uh, yeah, I've never had like an actual full length featured documentary. There's been two that have tried to do that, but they were they never like got completed and and everything. So yeah, okay. <laughs> it was like I feel like I was watching you and another fighter um, do a really cool art exhibit. Yeah. That's when I first got exposed okay. to your photography and was just yeah. uh, blown away because yeah. I hadn't so that's seen that. Probably Chad George. Um, yes, like, yes, Chad yeah, George, yeah. the fighter. He, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so there's like um, there's a there's a documentary called Occupation Fighter that this uh, crazy German guy did on on uh, Chad. And um, then, in, during that one, the, during that that uh, documentary, they have like a segment on the art show that he and I did together. And uh, yeah, so so that that was pretty cool. Um, for the most part, my photography is just focused around me. I'm not really necessarily trying to promote it. Um, it's a it's a really hard business to to be like involved in if you're trying to make a living out of it. And I see the other people involved in that line of photography, like the the nature 
wildlife, fine art, landscape, photography, professional community. And those people are, there's a certain level of desperation that these people have to promote themselves because of, you know, the way that the internet is now and, and how important it is to do all the social media stuff and all that crap. And I have kind of strayed away from that as much as I can because I, I just, I want it to be pure. I want this to be something that I enjoy doing in the moment that I start to try to sell myself and all this, uh, you know, like, like really trying to push it as a profession. I think I might, you know, like lose how, how much I, 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 I love it. You know, um, it's one of those things I don't get a chance to do very often, to be honest with you, because the kind of photography that I like doing, it all involves me traveling to really remote places and, and that involves a ton of planning and involves time away uh, from working and time away from my daughter. And uh, it involves me being like, you know, the, like ha having, having the, the financial resources to do something like that. So, so it's been pushed back quite a bit, especially in the past few years, because I like I the way I do things. I'm not really into going to like the national parks and pulling over at some scenic overlook that a million other yuppies are standing around at, pointing their cameras at. Like my my whole thing is to you know go to to really remote places that are also aesthetically pleasing and have have cool geology and stuff and um and and take photos of, of things that uh, aren't really common. I mean, don't get me wrong. My portfolio does have like plenty of stuff from national parks and stuff in it. But I, I, I really, especially lately have been trying to get the things that uh, are, are not often photographed. And I just like being in those places. So if I go there and I plan this trip and the conditions are bad, the light isn't good it's okay. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it does suck and everything that I don't get shots, but, um, that's not what it's about to me. Like the shot is just a representation of, of the, the, the place and how I felt there. And I just like, it's, it's just a great excuse for me to get out and, and go to these places, you know? I mean, here's the nice part is, uh, you know, sometimes when you have a guest and they do an extracurricular activity, and you're like, man, you do an extracurricular activity. It's pretty rough. But let's talk about it. Like your photography is actually good. And I've had the opportunity of looking at your photography and, and doing uh, – as an avid photographer myself, you know, what was it that really got you into doing that? And I guess was it also a nice departure from fighting every once in a while to do that? Yeah, yeah. Um, it was definitely that, – that, that, was, that was the biggest thing to me. It was like I had – immersed myself in fighting which i love but there's a, there's a obvious level of contention that you have to deal with all the time like always proving yourself whether it's in the training room or the actual fight and constantly getting ready for okay i've got to fight this person i've got to stop them from hitting me and i've got to hit them like like years and years of that and i'm finally like you know what i love nature i love being away from like large populations of people and um you know i i like to settle down into that and here's a chance for me to do something like that and so yeah it was a definite 
balance thing for me. I, I needed that in my life to, to balance things out. And, and the times that I started getting really into photography were when I like right around the times that I was having a really hard time dealing with my little, you know, tiny thimble full of fame in the world of MMA and, and how I was being looked at and portrayed and treated and everything. I just didn't, you know, I was, I was, I'm very sensitive to that sort of thing. So I, I, this was my escape from all that crap. And, um, I ended up, I, I ended up doing like photography. I've always been to been in, been into video and still photography since I was a teenager and, um, I had a good camera and I took some, uh, so, some like uh, community college courses when I was a teenager and worked in the dark room and stuff back in the film days and that was cool but then I didn't have enough money or, or time or whatever to keep up with it and then it wasn't until I fought in pride in 2007 like pretty much like 11 years later that I actually was like okay I've got money right now at the moment to buy something other than food or gas or, you know, pay the rent, you know, like I've actually got some extra money, like, what do I do with it? And I was like, I really want to get back into photography. So that's, that's kind of how it started. It started, like restarted in 2007. And the spark had first started, you know, in like, 96 or something when I was a teenager. But yeah, yeah, so uh, just got into it. And yeah, it was, it's definitely like, uh, like a balanced type of thing and a good good thing for for me to get my mind off of uh all the all the negative stuff like surrounding the 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 things that go on in the MMA world and crap that people are saying and you know all these ideas that people have about your you as a person and it's it's kind of hard to deal with that. I mean, I can't even imagine being a real celebrity. You know what I mean? Like what these people go through. I mean, no wonder they're they're all so fucked up. I mean, or most of them are. I mean, like, like that, and the getting beat up for a living. Like the MMA <laughs> path is a rough one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's like it's you hard. just got hit in the head, but you hit the other guy in the head more. Tell us your thoughts. Like they put them on display immediately. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. It'd be much harder to do any other gamut. Well, as you're talking about it, what was your ride like? Because we haven't even really talked so much about your MMA career. Have you been doing photography? So did you pick it up literally at the height of your fighting in the UFC? Um, pretty frequently, it felt like. It felt like you were fighting all the time while you were while you were fighting. Um, are you still doing photography? And talk to us about riding both of those waves. Yeah, I guess, yeah, so what happened was I got into photography briefly as a teenager, and then I wasn't able to, to keep up with it, and then I was basically too busy and poor for years and years, like, trying to become a, a fighter and everything, and, and living in California, and I never, I didn't have the time for any hobby, I mean, maybe, like, once every three or four months, I'd buy a CD or something, other than that, I just, you know what I mean, it was just, like, the starving artist in the first world type of uh, type of lifestyle. So, so I was just, you know, waiting for the chance to have the time and resources to do this sort of thing. So yeah, it was like 2007. Um, and I had just fought in pride. I hadn't even been on the show yet. And I started getting into it hardcore. And I had to, uh, when I went on to the TV show, I was like, Oh, man, I'm so into this photography thing now. And like, six weeks, I'm gonna have to go without taking any photos that sucks and so really uh talk about it 
Huh? No, you they didn't really didn't. hear about it while you're on the show. We should have gave of... you a camera, let you show some skills. Like I'm just saying, uh, we had downtime. We you weren't allowed to have any type of anything. Like like, I mean, they barely let me bring like a blender in. You know what I mean? Like like you <laughs> you couldn't you couldn't bring That's in so anything, sad. right? No no reading material. I mean, we would we know what we would do. We were allowed to have journals to write stuff down with. I ha- I didn't I couldn't care less about TV to be honest with you. Like I I didn't miss that at all and didn't think about it because it's not a part of my life. But like, um, the the no music thing really bothered me, right? Especially at the time. And I I would sit there and I would try to like play songs in my mind. So I could memorize the lyrics and write down the lyrics. So I'd write the lyrics down, and then I would just read the lyrics to myself, playing the song in my mind, and just hum it to myself. That was my way of listening to music. That's when you know you're like close to going crazy. <laughs> I was about to say, no wonder we get so many freaking crazy moments on the Ultimate Fighter, where you see the descent into madness. And I think that's one of the things that I always try and keep in perspective when. We are writing jokes because we write jokes about the Ultimate Fighter, and sure. and we have a good time at their expense. But like, yeah. there's also a sensibility of not being too much of a dick because you yeah. realize they've essentially taken you from, I guess, life, and then put you in an insane asylum and said like, "Hey, look at these other psychos." All right, yeah. have at. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly it. I mean, they they take the formula for the show is to take people from all walks of life with all different kinds of personalities and and just put them all into this this science experiment and and just see like how uh, what the reactions are like and that's 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 pretty much how it goes you know and 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 yeah it'll test you it'll te- it'll it'll take you to the limit you know that's why you see so many things where these dudes are you know, like they they have a breakdown, they're screaming and crying, or or they're they're getting drunk to deal with with the the pressures on the show, and then they act like complete imbeciles and fools. Now, tr- like granted, I'm not saying that um, all these people are wonderful people just being exposed to a bad situation. I mean, a lot of these people are assholes and idiots. You know, like a lot of the people's on. Like pulled into the Ultimate Fighter, you know, you got your Richie Hightowers. These people exist. Like they're they're losers or douchebags. But like add on top of that, the 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 formula for this show, and it's just it's just a it's a recipe for disaster. I mean, that's why you got guys like Andy Wang, for example, who's like a great human being. He really is a good guy. Just like I mean. He's a laugh, treated like a laughing stock. You know what I mean? Like his career is just like laughed at by a lot of the internet people, and and it's because of the you know the the way that he was portrayed on the show and what what elements of that formula like pushed him to react the way that he did one time, and then they didn't show much of him except for that one reaction that he had. And so now everyone just remembers his fight and the way he fought and then remembers his breakdown afterwards. And it's like, it's, it's crazy. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a tough position to put yourself in, but, uh, you know, that's the way it goes. You know, either, either do it or you don't. I mean, Mac, I have to ask you this. Have you watched any of the ultimate fighters since being on it? 
Okay, so when I, when the show was airing, which is like it it airs, it starts airing about three months after you're on the show. And back then, the 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 way it was set up was you were like sworn to secrecy, and you weren't allowed to tell anyone, not even your mom, what happened on the show, right? <laughs> And, uh, I hope that's and, the he, actual language in the contract, especially your mom, yeah. even your mom. <laughs> Although I, I'd like to think in my head that's Dana language, where he's like, "Especially your fucking mom." You say a fucking don't even word, tell your, your fucking, fucking mom. Your fucking mom. Don't tell your fucking brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's basically <laughs> it. I mean, not only do they have these conversations with you, and Dana has them. The the um, head of the production company has them with you, but yeah, you sign off this thing that says that you're not going to disclose anything that transpired on the show. So anyway, w- during that time, you wait, and then about three months in, they start airing the show, and then um, during the time that the show was being aired, what they would there was this. Uh, but the the production company wanted me to write a a blog, so I wrote a blog, a weekly blog for the um, for the show. And what they would do is they would send me a, um, a DVD of it the day before it was going to air. Like basically, like that's as early as they felt comfortable leaking anything, right? So so they'd send it to me the day before. I'd watch it, and then I'd have enough time to write a blog. And send it in to the the blog guy, so that uh, it, you know he could he could post it as soon as the uh, episode aired East Coast time. So I saw it. that's a, my long winded explanation of yes, I did watch the show while it was happening. After that, I never watched it again. I did like the one episode that was kind. Of, I was kind of featured in. I think I had that for some reason. Like. I think I had it on on uh, on a device or something like that, like on, on an iPad or something. And I think I may have watched pieces of it here and there. But then I didn't watch it or any other Ultimate Fighter show for years and years. And it wasn't actually until about four months ago I actually, not, you know, once I decided to retire and made peace with this whole debacle of a career i was like (laughs) finally like you know going back and looking at it and being like okay i'm actually kind of proud of what i did and i don't mind the silliness of the show and it's not this like serious thing that i'm upset about you know like the way the show went and the way that people acted the way i was portrayed or anything like that I was just like whatever, you know, like it's it's all old news now. It's all it's all like I've come to terms with everything. And so I I did watch like I don't know, like a good third or half of of the whole thing about 6 months ago and I was reminded of some funny stuff and everything. And it was it was all right. It was cool, you know. <laughs> what about it changed for you? Uh, I mean, Kevin and I, you know, we jokingly say that we've watched so it and we've ingested so many fighters and so many of the diatribes. And that's why we have a segment on our show called the one minute review. And it just became of all of the formulaic parts of the ultimate fighter, like uh, fighters plus closed off from reality, multiply alcohol, divide <laughs> time and space equals crazy <laughs> fights outside. So like yeah, we yeah. came up with this, this algorithm of making fun of it where half the right. time the jokes were already there. So did you see any changes uh, or kind of modifications? Was there anything different or was it like the same as you remember it? 
Oh, like like what happened on the show? Like just from like to... from what you remembered it looking right. like when you yeah. were on it to what it looks like now. Okay, so so you're 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 asking me to reference like how I I viewed it when I just watched it a few months ago. You mean, like, yes. or or just okay? Yeah. Um. It. The thing is, it, I don't know. I guess that's kind of a hard question to answer because I. I had already seen the episode, so I knew the difference at the time in 2007 of the episodes and their their difference to reality. But when I watched it again, I was just reminded of, yeah, that's the way the episodes went. You know what I mean? The way everything <laughs> was edited. I, I think that it was probably... Uh, they they omitted a lot of things, and I think that's what I tried to do on that blog was diplomatically explain that this happened, this happened, this happened, and they don't they failed to show that or mention that. You know, they're filming all the time, and there's only so much that they can show in a in a you know a forty two minute show or however long it is, and um, and so so yeah, I mean th- there were things that were a lot different. But uh, I do remember now, you know, like, like uh, they 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 were able to capture a lot of it. Maybe they didn't portray each person's personality completely accurately or fairly, but um, you know that there was a lot of things that that happened that that transpired that they that they actually captured pretty well. You know, it, it wasn't all bad. It was. I'd say it was like fifty fifty, which is which is a lot better than um, than it could have been. You know? Sure, referencing MTV again. Um, yeah. We only, as you could tell, we could talk to Mac for hours. I'm just talking to the <laughs> listeners now. Uh, so we have a few more topics we have to ask you about. Um, yeah. The legend of Cora. Raph was telling uh-huh. me you guys have a mutual friend through a very funny way. Because I was looking at it and I was like, Raph, do you know if this is Wikipedia truth or true? And it was that you have been working on the legend of Cora as an MMA consultant. Um, yeah, I I actually worked. Yeah, so so like some of the things I did, I got credited for that in the legend of Cora. Here, here's the thing. The the main stuff that I did, like the hands-on things that I did, were for their first uh, television series before that on Nickelodeon, which is called Avatar: The Last Airbender. Right? That that those ones were that that was like you know kind of what I was helping them out with, and then and then then uh, like w- once that was done, like then when they were started getting ready, everything. Oh, excuse me. Sorry, scratch that. I was I was doing the legend. Sorry, yeah, yeah. See, these things happened so long ago. That That's I, an edit on the fly, people. Yeah, what you just heard the is the sausage being made. Scratch that. Scratch like, it. Just forget that you heard that. No, um, he's an what, MMA fighter. If you don't, he will find you. He will strike you efficiently. If or I remember his you game say well. he's an MMA fighter. Have some sympathy or have some understanding. <laughs> his brain doesn't work properly half the time. No, absolutely. Uh, I, uh, th- th- yeah, yeah. For so for the Legend of Korra, they hadn't started it yet. See, I get confused because they've had four seasons of it now, and there's always like a little break in between them, you know, airing and everything, and and what goes on. But yeah. I was I was I did work for them for the Legend of Korra stuff and um that was actually even before they had 
everything written and before everything was, you know, like decided on how the show was exactly going to go and it was still in its preliminary stages. And so, um, yeah, they brought me in to do that. I happen to be um, really good friends. Like he's pretty much my best friend is the co-creator of the show, Brian Konetsko. And so, um, you know, he brought me in to, to basically like they just filmed me and uh, another fighter friend of mine that I brought in doing some moves because their whole thing is they wanted everything to be accurate on the show. They wanted, um, they didn't want everything to look like some generic martial arts stuff or look corny. They wanted things to like, they wanted the body mechanics and the movement of, uh, of, of the people that were doing the combat on the cartoon. They wanted it to look realistic and everything. So, so I just went on there and, and we just went over all different types of movements and um, you know, did a lot of filming, and just did a lot of like you know, visual explanation of how everything works, and and yeah, that was pretty cool. You know, like uh, Brian's a great guy. You know, he's he's helped me out a lot. He actually even got me some auditions to to uh, work his voice talent on the uh, on the show, but I, I botched every one of them because I'm I'm horrible at it. But uh, you know, like Henry Rollins. I don't know. I guess he's nifty. He's got some little talent with his voice. He's got a recurring character on the show, like all these other people do. Like David Faustino's on the show. Um, Bud from Bud Al Bundy. Bundy. Yeah, yeah. Like, like all these people. Like, and I mean, don't get me wrong. These people are like involved in show business and acting and stuff, and so they understand how to use their voice a little bit better, or whatever. But I, I thought oh, maybe I could, maybe I could pull this off, and yeah, I. I I blew it twice and that would have been a really cool career to get into because those people that are in like the 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 voice acting guild or whatever it is like they they just <laughs> I believe up. you're talking about Vag? I'm they, sorry. Uh, yes. <laughs> they God show up it, in Kevin. their um they show up in their uh their pajamas and read some lines and then say okay take it easy and they just walk out and they get paid good money you know what i mean that they do. that sounds like the life to me i wish I, I wish i could have done it right but i had two chances I mean, or three and i blew them mac i'll tell you this much man i don't i don't know what uh on this podcast right here my job is to do the impressions of all the fighters. That doesn't necessarily <laughs> let itself to being a super lucrative job in itself because not a lot of people not go yet. Um, Raph, do that GSP impression. <laughs> like, you literally have to maneuver and be like, uh, guys, work with me. Do you know the fighter named GSP? No? It's going to be a rough day at the office. All right. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Woo! But, uh, you know, the funny part to me is when I had heard that you were doing fight choreography, uh, you know, helping them out, it was such a aggravating thing to hear that not being said more because that's such a cool application of martial arts that nobody really gets to do. Yeah, um, so yeah. when you get to do it, uh, does it look kind of cool? Like how does it look like watching your fights in animation form? Yeah, that that's pretty cool. I, I did enjoy that. Like uh, Brian actually had to point out to me like a, a few of the distinct scenes that were actually – pieces of of the movements that we filmed you know what i mean rather rather than just me showing them the elements of, of everything and and you know some a little bit of a move coming up here or there but like some of them were like the actual like here is the actual entire movement and yeah i thought that was cool i mean it's it's awesome you know like, like uh 
to to see to to see that you know get uh, interpreted in in a way you know like like something cool like animation live or you know like right on TV. I mean, I grew up watching cartoons, and I know how special that show is to a lot of kids and everything. And that just Absolutely. would have been so cool to me. You know what I mean? As a kid, to see something like that, and I, I don't know, I I just really admire what they're doing. You know, anyone that that. Uh, that that makes that that's still like i mean like it's for older kids right you know it's yeah. not a, it's not a younger kids show it's it's obviously like an action show for you know geared towards like the the older crowd but um it's just so cool to be able to to live your life writing and drawing and creating this whole and this whole world you know and this is just all geared towards like entertainment for children and childhood and, and staying in that and making like a, a career out of that. It's, uh, it's pretty impressive. So like, yeah, for me to be part of that, that was cool. And yeah, it was cool to see the, um, the, the moves, you know, that was, that was awesome for sure. I mean, you know, I know you are, you are retired now, but if I were you, I would throw that into my highlight reel. I would throw those animated sequences being like, yeah, I fucking fought in those scenes. Don't <laughs> yeah, discount that. Those lightning streaks in the background totally yeah. me too. <laughs> <laughs> he calls it the dancing special. You get lightning behind it. He's like, it's a, it's a lens flare power I have. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I like that I'm now creating you as like a photography superhero that also does MMA. <laughs> hey, we might well, be on a good comic book. It. I, I heard the series. I heard the cash door opening right as you said that, Kev. It's it's yeah. funny you you mentioned that because Joaquim, who is who is a mutual friend of of Raph and I, he he um he's like uh, that the, he created this little. I don't know. I think it was just one one picture, but he took like a bunch of his friends and and had them all you know like not as superheroes necessarily but kind of like as these characters right and i was like that really looks like me and i had a camera around my neck and i was looking at the picture and i was like that looks so awesome i was like that looks like me and then i asked brian i was like hey ask joaquin if that's if that's supposed to be me and he and he said yes and i was like it, it meant more to me it made me feel so good and meant more to me than like then uh then i don't know then like half of the accolades i've gotten in fighting i don't know why it is but like the fact that someone would make like even just in one picture a cartoon character of me that was just the coolest thing in the world i just thought that was immortalized in a way that (laughs) few people are like i've never had that in my own experience and uh let's let's take a moment to just talk about how awesome joaquin is kev um you don't know this guy but I don't. Uh, sounds you know, awesome. He will. I'm about to blow your mind. Uh, so super great at drawing. It does these sick recreations of of like all of your favorite cartoons. He like revamped all of GI Joe. But not just that, Kev. He also is a badass at jujitsu as well. So like, oh, living the <laughs> dream. So like, when I met this guy, uh, you know. I was looking at him I'm like, dude, you're you're cool. Like you don't need to know me. You're don't waste your time. You're you're just gonna waste your time being bored. And he's just like, You you like jujitsu? You like 
the Ultimate Fighter? I go, yeah, yeah, I like the Ultimate Fighter. He's like, oh, cool. What'd you think of this season? And even then, I would talk profusely about UFC and whatnot. I was like, oh yeah, I liked it. And at the time, Mac had just finished, and I was like, what do you what do you think of Mac? And I was like, I actually like him a lot. He's like, really? And I go, yeah, I thought the series was portraying him as this one guy. And he's like, oh, I know him. I wasn't sure if I was gonna tell you, but yeah, I know him. he's really good plans. <laughs> And we had this great laugh, and I was just like, dude, no, he's, he's a really nice guy. And uh, just this greatness of, of knowing Joaquim and, and Mac, uh, where friends made total and complete sense. Because when you talk to Mac, you get this sense of, yeah, dude, totally chill, relaxed, teaches a fucking great seminar. Uh, you know, I got the opportunity to take your seminar out in September. And uh, it was, what is it, submissions uh, for, or striking for submissions, right? Yeah, yeah, that, I think that's what what we decided to work on the curriculum was that day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but the problem is, Mac, I'm never going to be striking for submissions <laughs> in my life. But I was oh, like, I don't, oh, know, you know, man. don't, don't, don't placate me on this. I am 100 percent aware that I may do grappling, but I'm never going to be hitting people. Uh, well, because like, it would just what, end what if you just what if you find yourself in that situation in life where you have to defend uh, yourself or somebody else? I mean, you know, you seem like the kind of guy who's out at nightclubs every single night. You know, like <laughs> you do, like, like you know, you may find yourself in a situation where you you have to take on three or four bouncers in order to. You know, meet up with your buddy Dan Barrera, who has the uh, lights <laughs> up on, on the other side of the the room in in the bathroom, and you know, in order to in order to do that, you've got to you've got to strike for submissions. No, I, I hear you, man. I hear you, but but it's it's they're they're good skills though. And then you can see the pieces to the puzzle, how how that all fits in MMA, and like like how That's- like you know. The beauty of it is you get to see how you uh, teach, and I, I feel like that's an extension of, you know, you as uh, not just a, a jiu-jitsu guy, but as a martial artist, a uh, guy who did MMA. And so it was funny for me, and, and Kevin and I haven't even talked about this, but we were both so young when we were watching it and, and getting it that I realized, I was like, you know, when I did the seminar with you, I go, I think I actually learned some variation of aspects of jiu-jitsu when I was watching you do it. And I was like, that's so sick. He's teaching me this. And I remember watching him do this. So <laughs> it, cool. it's, a, it's a true testament to you that you have a great teaching ability and, and it's fun to watch. Um, you know, now that you, you're retired, you're kind of doing some other stuff, other ventures. I know you've even refereed. You know, how yeah. was life post-fighting? Uh, and, and what's it like being on the other side as a referee? Okay, yeah. That, like So... Post fighting, uh, I'll be completely honest with you. Like it's been, it's been pretty scary. You know, like this was, this was the transition that I've been dreading for years, and it was always in the back of my mind. And the the thoughts of it worried the heck out of me. And the and and it as it as I worried about it, it probably played on my performance as a fighter because you know and don't get me wrong I'm not the only one who feels that way all these guys are one loss or two losses away from getting canned and and having to find work somewhere else and and you know how far do you want to take it you know like like how far can you take it how much can your body take you know are you going to have your contract you know forever all that all these types of things 
go through your head when you're not an employee you're an independent contractor and you're extremely expendable in this sport and um so i had worried about that forever and then when it came it hit me hard even you'd think i would have been prepared for it but uh you know being like being a like a like a uh like a single parent basically in la you know it's 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 pretty difficult to uh to deal with with uh the prospect of you know not having enough financial you know like goods to uh to, to carry you and your kid through through the month through you know a couple more months and and so like it's been really scary in in that regard and and also you know I don't want to be one of those people who ends up doing something that they don't like to do so I have all these these like little ventures these little these little tools and these things that I can do to to make a living possibly but it's like which path do I want to take I can't kind of dabble in all of them if I want to actually do something and make a living at it I've got to commit to at least one of them and take it all the way and which one actually has the um the, you know the potential to 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 provide that for me and which one do I like doing the best and and it's 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 been hard you know what I mean I'm not going to sugarcoat it it's, it's been scary and I I've I've felt you know pretty pretty worried about the whole thing for quite some time but I'm starting to ease into the way everything is working and I'm you know instead of instead of taking this this look at it like oh well I need to uh just take one thing and go after it cuz that's the only way it'll work instead I'm still trying to take my time and feel everything out and that's why I did stuff like the refereeing thing because one like Big John McCarthy got me into it you know he had asked me if I was interested in doing referee stuff and I said yeah I am and you know he put me through his his uh like it's like a 3 day weekend of um of uh certification for for becoming a judge and a referee and that stuff is hard that's no joke you know most people fail that and um you know he put me through that and he's just i if i could say one thing about anybody on this show like mention someone i would just mention what a great human being that guy is i mean he's he's probably the only person who has been involved with the sport since its very beginning, since its conception. Like from day one, John McCarthy was was involved in the sport. He's the, the referee since UFC won. And that guy is is like the only person from that era who is still relevant. I mean, nobody else is relevant that that has that was from there. I mean, like Art Davies just wrote a book and like um you know Horian Gracie his last name is Gracie and everything but like none of these people are 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 relevant now you know what i mean good whether that's a good thing or a bad thing it's just the truth and he is you know and he actually really cares about fighters he cares about the sport and he cares about fairness um in in every single fight and and it's like his passion you know he's made it his his life's uh goal and Anyway, uh, that that dude helped me out a lot, and he was the one who kind of took me under his wing as far as the refereeing goes. And I got a chance to referee a couple different events, and, and I'm going to keep doing more of them. I need to just build it up. It's not one of those things where people make a whole lot of money at, and it takes some time. You know, uh, you really need to, to, to know what you're doing. And just because I'm a fighter doesn't mean I'm going to be a great ref. I think, like, 
a lot of fighters will make bad referees, but for me, I, I think I'm a little bit different. I think I'm going to make a good referee, but it's going to take some time. And uh, it's it's kind of it's kind of interesting being a referee. I mean, like I, I get I get a little more nervous at this point than I did for a lot of my fights because I'm just like, man, these guys have you know trained for so long that to get to this point, you know, I don't want to screw it up or slip on a banana peel and, and ruin this person's night because I stopped it unnecessarily just talk like a cop and stay authoritative and you'll be fine (laughs) yeah not many you don't hear about many fighters uh making the transition so it's definitely a different skill set to see it versus to uh you know call it yeah be a part of it i i would rather be a referee than a judge though to be honest with you like like judge judging is really really hard because of the the criteria, like the way that 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 it's set up, or Let's not tell just, ourselves that they're well, making dude, it harder than they need to. I they, always know who won, Mac. It's well, cut and dry to me. No. I'll tell you I, what, man. Like, to be like, fair, Kevin has a very big problem figuring out who wins fights. Yeah, uh, it's the hardest, and I don't think he's alone. I think that happens uh, a lot, judges and Kevin included. Um. But it, it is a difficult thing. But Mac, do you think that some people think that if you you put a fighter in that seat, that suddenly it's much easier to judge because that, that's a perspective some people have. No, here's here's what I'm trying to say: the 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 judging the scoring criteria is so fucked up and convoluted that that like there's a reason why like like people often okay if there's a bad decision people are always like those fucking judges i can't believe these people they're incompetent listen they may very well be but that has nothing to do with what happened there it's it's like they could be complete like vegetables that just scribble like some stuff on a card and who knows what it is or they could be someone who has studied this the the, the criteria and has like a an education and a, and, a, and a lot of experience doing it and there's and they might still come up with the same like seemingly ridiculous result it's it's because this criteria was set up for 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 boxing is set up for like 10 round 12 round boxing fights where you have guys that are often really really evenly matched and it comes down to small increments so let's have a 10 point must system i'm sorry but that doesn't work for three five minute mma rounds you can have one round where absolutely nothing happens and no one mounts any offense and then you can have another round where so much stuff happens in just three minutes out of the five minute round that it's all over the place, and w- these judges are picking ten nines for all of this. That's that's why, like the okay, the GSP versus Johnny Hendricks thing that everyone was upset about. It's because these people are told not to use all of the ten points. They they never use all the ten points. They only call it a ten eight if there's a huge discrepancy and someone gets the living crap beat out of them and mounts no offense themselves. Otherwise, it's a ten nine. And then they're also told to score rounds that are pretty much dead even ten nines as well. So you have GSP winning a ten nine by like the smallest thinnest sliver of a margin and then you have Johnny Hendricks winning a 10-9 by a very large margin 
these two things don't add up. But guess what? 10-9 here, 10-9 there. Two rounds in the books, the fight is even at that point. You know what I mean? Like this, this is the problem. So I don't like being put in that position because I don't like the way that, that it's set up. And I end up having to make decisions based on like strange scoring systems that, that I don't agree with. And, and so like I would much rather be a referee because I do like as a referee, you do dictate and decide, okay, like I'm going to stop this fight or I'm going to let this fight go or I'm going to disqualify this guy or whatever. You have to make those decisions. But those are easier to make than saying like, okay, these guys just fought their asses off for three rounds and it was really, really close. And now I've got to make a decision based on some scoring nonsense that doesn't make any sense for this sport. You know, that's that. <laughs> that's a difference. So, you know. Scoring nonsense would be a good slogan for the UFC. Just a new one. If that's No, that's, that's actually one of the better ways I've ever heard that explained. And, Mac, we've already – we've been holding you long enough. Obviously, we've got no less than 2,000 questions for you. We really – we really appreciate you stopping by the podcast. This has been huge for us to uh, talk to someone we've always viewed. You've always been one of those fighters that's uh, cerebral and never bullied into being anything but who you were, which uh, Raph and I always really respected, especially as we got the pleasure of watching you fight a ton. So – Huge fans. We've we've loved getting to follow your career. We'll obviously stay in touch with you because you're you're fun to to keep in light with about what's going on MMA. Yeah, um, and the photography side. You never know. Yeah, you know? awesome. always uh, following your artistic side. So thank you so much for stopping by the podcast, ladies and gentlemen, Mac Danzig. Thanks for having me, guys. I, I appreciate it. It's been a good time. Sorry about. Uh rambling so so long and being so long-winded but that's what happens when you when you get old you you get hair coming out of your ears and and you end up uh just rambling and rambling but um hopefully hopefully everybody that uh that listens has something they they uh they may enjoy from it i'm still i'm still embarrassed that i said i worked on uh the avatar one and not the legend of core it's basically at this point like knowing knowing brian as long as i have and he's not one of the guy types of people to hold something over your head but knowing him as long as i have it's it's almost like i i someone asked me what my kids names were and i gave them like two random other names or something it's 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 that bad you know like like i i'm I'm not going to live that one down. So, yeah. Other than that, I had a great time. <laughs> oh, perfect. Hey, you know, two out of three ain't bad. Yeah, two, yeah. Uh, Raph and I will take it. <laughs> oh, Alex Perez. Class act. Real gallivanting. I don't think we needed his ego. And all the uh, excessive victory laps he took. I thought that was a little Where's less that? classy. Right. But I don't I don't so. I'm just bitter I lost mostly. Well, he didn't like Tito Ortiz you and throw <laughs> fucking middle fingers <laughs> oh, behind God. your back when you were walking away. If, and, you if know, there's and, a... and Kev, I want to stop here because if there's no better way, like if there were rounds in between us rolling and we got like a breaking point, you better believe that I would just push you out of the way. 
because that's hysterical. No better way to show discontent to your opponent than just pushing them out of the way like a child. Oh, my God. I'm so glad that fight's over. <laughs> I hope social media is like, we don't want a rematch. Everybody's good. Everybody's satisfied with the whole Bonner or Do you Ortiz. remember when Stefan Bonner was so upset that the decision didn't go his way and collapsed? <laughs> Yes, like, he was I started... waiting for the decision, and he's like, no! Like, dude, did you remember anything that happened in the past three rounds? I have an Academy Award music sound button on my phone that I started playing, and no one at the party noticed. <laughs> so, <laughs> good. No well, one gave a shit. It. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, fun weekend. Fun weekend of fights. Fun weekend in general. You ready to wrap this thing up with some shutouts? Yeah, let's do that. Cool. I'll start. Training partner shout out. This one's going to Matt. Trying to get him to finally start listening to the podcast. Uh, he was there Wednesday night and he was like, oh yeah, the podcast. I gotta check this out. I was like, yes, you do. So I sent him some links. Big shout out to him. Great training partner. Always. Uh, he's one of those people that also looks up videos online and tries mm-hmm. new stuff, which is always really fun. <laughs> when you're rolling with someone, all of a sudden you're like, I saw effing Marcelo Garcia teaching this, you a-hole. I know where you got it. I know where you got it. Uh, Fun to be back up at BJJ and MMA Academy out there in Chantilly, VA, doing some training, getting beat up, getting ready to come out to L.A. and train with you all. And I appreciate them uh, just, you know, turning me into tenderized meat. It's very sweet of them. (laughs) Uh, Everyone that came out, yeah, I hosted a soiree this weekend Raph nailed it. Earned major yeah. boyfriend points. Uh, we had a queso margarita beer pong party last night. Tons of fun. <laughs> that does sound like a great thing. You may not have been watching UFC 180, but your food list seems to suggest otherwise. <laughs> it was very Mexican themed. Uh, that was an accident. So that was that's going to do it for me. Um, I will, I am going to say last encyclopedia show coming up this Thursday, also going to be at the black cat doing a sketch this Friday. So stoked. What's going on here? It's a very busy week in the life of Kevin T. Phillips. Uh, doing a musical theater variety show tomorrow night. We're doing the sketch. We want to rehearse it before Thursday's show. So tons (laughs) of stuff going on. I was about to say musical theater. Oof, sketch. It's, Oof. it's it's where musical theater meets spoken word. It's a real fun show. <clears throat> oh, okay, great. Yeah. Uh, well, I was gonna make fun of it, but now you're being sincere, so there's no reason to make fun of people like that. That's fun. Uh, let's go ahead and thank first and foremost uh, Matt Danzing. Yeah. Matt Coolest. is one of the nicest people. Uh, like I said, we've known each other. For years. It's insane how our like some of our best friends are are connected and uh it's it's so funny. Like I've heard about him. Uh he's probably heard nothing about me, but I've heard lots about him over the time. And it yeah. was all great. And I got the chance to meet him when I was taking a seminar a few weeks ago. And uh just couldn't be a nicer guy. Worth and, the price uh, of admission. Really most definitely. To talk to. Yeah, and the the nice thing about it is, and I said this on the podcast, but it is true. Like, I did realize how much of my jiu-jitsu, my own jiu-jitsu journey started by watching him. And I was always the guy who was rooting for the jiu-jitsu people on these shows. 
Um, so it is really cool when you have parts of your game that you can remember back to who showed you it or who you modeled it after. And a uh, very beginning part of my game it definitely started with him. So my thanks to him. And I look forward to one day getting to train with him very soon. So thank you very much, Max. Speaking of people training again, uh, guess who I did get to train with this week, Kev? Who's that? Uh, our good friend Travis Connolly will be in town on Tuesday. T-Money! Tuesday. On the 18th, we're going to be doing a seminar out at the world-famous Gracie Barra in Encino. It's going to be $15. It's 8 to 10 p.m. I highly encourage you guys to get on out here. Uh, Travis teaches one of the best seminars that you can really ever experience because he really takes his time to explain, and he gives everybody there something to walk away with. His Q&A session last year was uh, – or earlier this year was one of my favorite things. So I'm looking forward to seeing him. We're going to talk lots of shit about you, and I'm excited for that. He's pretty good at it, yeah. <laughs> He's not bad. He's no me at talking shit about you, but well, who is? People are. That's what I'm saying. Uh, conversely, I wanted to also thank Octavio, our good friend, uh, who was able to do a nice video promo with me uh, in honor of uh, our good friend Travis Connolly coming out on Tuesday. You guys want to see that? We'll put that up on the website for your eyes to gander at. It is very funny. Uh, and, and Octavio is hilarious in it. So definitely watch it for that. Uh, let's shout out Valley Martial Arts Center. Be back, back, back. So much like Kevin is doing over at his place, I've told the guys to put me through the ringer here uh, in anticipation for him coming out this way. And it's nice to know that I have a co-host who is doing the exact same thing. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That I would do on on his side of the world. So (laughs) it was very funny because the two of us both are like, oh, yeah, I just told my training partners to just amp up the training. No reason. Turned up the volume. No reason. It was just, you know. It's just co-host is coming out soon, and you know be he's been playing a lot of lapel guard and shit like that. So you know, go ahead and do it. And it's so funny. Like today, <laughs> I let who did I let do something? I was just like, I have been playing a lot of lapel guard. I know you are. That's fine. But uh, I there was one of the kids who's there. His name's Moses. He's a funny training partner to have. I just let him have mount, and he was getting so much better at it. And it was with the intention of when I'm down in mount, I go, can I armbar this guy in one minute? I have to get out of mount. But can it happen? And he walks over to me and he just goes, Ref, I was feeling so much better about myself until you beat me up. And I was like, oh, yeah, that was actually a drill. I wanted to let you get mount and see if I could work out of it. <laughs> and then he just starts laughing. He's like, you're a real fucking fucking guy man and i was like ah, and he just starts laughing so my thanks to him everybody's chipping in and preparing the best way they know how to get me there so uh, my thanks to him he's a great training partner and that was a lot of fun thanks to alex alex perez good stuff always funny my thanks to hollywood way bar out here they said they would show the fights and guess what they did and it's cheap hey. cover so you know there's that and uh let's go and say i think that's is that everybody on the shout outs kevin am i missing anybody I think that's everybody. My girlfriend yeah, for so. turning 27. Congrats. Yeah, absolutely. She's the, the nicest person I know. And I, I was trying to tell Kevin this off air, but I used a lot of restraint when I said happy birthday to her on her Facebook because it took everything in me not to say happy birthday 
and thanks for putting up with Kevin. I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, dot, but dot, I, dot. I know on a small scale what you go through. Hey, <laughs> do. that's going to do it for us tonight here at Verbal Tap. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, Mac. I am Kevin. Thanks for listening. Good night. Goodbye. I was just watching Wayne's World. You, were like, you don't say two, one. Why? Because you just don't. It's such a good scene. In the it's a TV thing. Anybody who's worked at so TV knows that. Yeah, but it's just like, is this a why? You just, <laughs> you just don't. <laughs> Wayne, Garth, we can see you counting. Oh, God. Thank you.